not no. total is number eight. I see um, more people than usually here. So what's up with um, the fourth screen, the right, right button? Uh, <laughs> Vril and uh, and Rotet, uh, Uli Hello. and Mike. Hello. Yes. How are you guys? Good, and you? Yeah, very good, very good. And um, Tony is here, surgeon, Hello. and uh, Hello. Manny D. Yeah. What's up, guys? Hello. Yeah, we're hanging <laughs> in there. <laughs> good, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice coping. One. So how how uh, how did you um, end up together in one uh, in one screen, uh, Mike <laughs> and uh, Uli? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we often do some some. Uh, I uh, yeah visit him in Berlin, and then we do some uh, studio times together. Nice one. Yeah. So, um, has your visit been productive so far? Yeah, I mean, Uli just arrived today, but I mean, I, I don't know if you saw the mail. I sent it you in the album. You just finishing your album, mm -hmm. and so we are here to. To work on, on, on more music. Nice. Is it for your um, what's it called? The WS icon. I I uh, help me help <laughs> yeah. me out. Help me out. It's <laughs> easy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What does it stand for? It's uh, connected to to where to where we are now. Actually, to the to the place where the studio is. So it's a little bit like. Yeah, we, we removed some of the uh, letters from the name. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> right. So, so what is it? Does it, was it? What does it stand for in full length without the? Um... Wiesenweg. Ah, oh, Wiesenweg. Okay, okay. It's the address of the studio. Thank you, Oli. Sorry, sorry. Okay, so yeah, um, it's cryptic, but uh, I think you know it's the same with my name. Nobody know how to spell it. That's or to write it. Yeah, how to write it. To... <laughs> you know, it auto corrects yeah. to redhead in English yeah. when you write redhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you know what I always do when I I have to mention your name somewhere? I just copy and paste it from your email. <laughs> from. <laughs> I've never been been able to find find a, a quick way to do it. Uh, <laughs> on, the, on the Mac, it's just like Alt and O. And yeah, or well, you can just hold the button. I know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just lazy. Um, okay, so um, if people are watching this on YouTube, um, you can comment on the in the chat and uh, say hi to us or talk to us uh, directly. So shout out to the stream punks and uh, the YouTube crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I see some friends showing up. Hey. Oh, oh hi. Lady hey, Starlight. Colleen. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, let's see if there's anyone else. Um, Marcus. Ah, yeah, yeah. Where is he? Hey, Marcus. Hey, Marcus. What's up? Hi. <laughs> so um yeah so um uh, let's see i see a lot of gear that i'm uh, uh, intrigued by tony there's um, a synthy looking machine behind you yeah it's um it's uh, it's a synthy clone it's um 
what is it? It's um, made by a German company called Pin Electronics. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's called the Pin Electronics Portabella. And, uh, yeah, I basically got that because I'm a very impatient person and I didn't want to wait, <laughs> like, 15 years or, or whatever. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I really like it. I mean, I've, I've played around a little with, a, you know, like a real synthy, and um, I think for sure they're different. But, um, yeah, I really like that one. I like, I like feeding signals through it. And, uh, yeah, I've used it to make all of all of the last techno releases i've done basically. oh really basically so, that and a 909 okay so so um how do you think it compares to the synthy in terms of um, sound because i know i know my own synthy and i know other people's synthies and they are different too how yeah. different is this from from actual synthies is it uh, again an, an extra um step more different or is it um just a little bit different um I mean, I, I've you. It's yeah, for sure. It's different from uh, the synthes and other uh, EMS stuff that I've played with. It's um, those ones have always been really, really, really dirty and almost a bit unmanageable. Um, but I don't know if that was the the particular <laughs> the particular one. I th this one, you know, it can go dirty, but I find it easier to to be cleaner if I want it to be. Mm, right. Okay. Uh, but I, I really like feeding the the nine and nine through the the mic input on it, and it, it gives this really nice kind of harmonic, more like a I don't know harmonic distortion. It's not just like fuzz; it doesn't really break up, but it just adds loads of harmonics to it. Right. Does this one have uh, the speakers as well? Uh, no, no speakers, but it does okay. have a MIDI input, so that's pretty useful. Oh, that's good. Okay. Uh, it's funny because I also have one and I don't have the media input. Ah, okay. I guess there are different editions of it, aren't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was curious if you have the media input. <laughs> this is from like uh, a couple of... Uh, when is it? Um, uh, like 2018 or something, I think. Yeah, I got mine like last, last year. I think he, the guy just does different runs of them and each, each run has like a different specifications. But, um, I don't know, how, uh, have, you, um, have you compared it to the EMS stuff? I, mean, I, I just know the EMS from Johan's studio. Uh -huh. And I think it's, it's really near to what I can remember from, from the visit at Johan's studio. And but I, I I think like the the way for example the um, reverb the, 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 do you use like the reverb from the and it's really weird how it sets in and I thought like it's broken but he said like, he he implemented like the the the, the same um, drawings and the same connections from the original and I guess it's the same on the original as well. Okay. So the, the original yeah. is broken as well. It's like on, on a quarter, it's like fully wet, like the, the reverb. Yeah. I guess it's really near to the original. Well, you know, it's a, it's a spring reverb and they also yeah. always sound dirty, you know. They're, they're yeah. All, uh, yeah, it's a, you, you, can, um, you can get some cool things happening by 
um, turning up the speakers um, loud enough so the spring starts to resonate with the sound coming from uh, speakers, its own it's built-in speakers, but also the speakers yeah. in, in your room. It will do that to the speakers in your room as well. If you get the mm. balance right, you get a, you know, sort of like a resonating um, feedback loop. And um, um, it's easy to get out of, you know, to have it go out of hand. But if you if you do it subtly and you get to, you to hit the right spot, then it can be um, can be cool. Nice. But I think you can do that with any spring reverb, you know, putting it close to a speaker or, you know. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's cool to to have the the built-in speakers in the original synthy because it um, it it makes it easier to not to go too crazy because um, I don't know maybe it's by design that it doesn't really go all the way into madness feedback, you know. Yeah. But um, but it does have a sort of yeah crazy metallic ring to it. It's which I really like. So what made you what made you strip down for the last few really not strip down like say to close off but <laughs> Tony what made you kind of strip everything back for the last few releases because it was for the War Tracks series yeah um I yeah I guess it was just like um just playing with different setups really just just uh I don't know maybe it comes from playing live a lot and then maybe approaching uh working in the studio in that way like make making a, a smaller more simple setup and then uh you know using that to 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 make the tracks with and and sort of making myself uh be more restricted in that way mm. um yeah and just like playing around with new bits of gear and new combinations with some older gear and stuff like that um but yeah, I, I think it's definitely influenced from from playing live. Yeah. And what made you pick those two from all the other possible choices you have? Um. I yeah, I don't I don't know really. Um, <laughs> no, like I said, I I just liked when I fed the nine oh nine through the mic input. It just it just gave it a nice sort of crunch, but it it. Um, it's kind of it, it acted as like a limiter as well and um just uh you know it was all i just took uh the outputs from that and recorded that and that was that was the tracks stereo out yeah yeah okay from the pin electronics yeah yeah okay but because i was curious because these tracks they are so like but you know there's no there's no extra processing it's just it's yeah. just the the action of the driving the channels and, yeah. and the mic input and it's just like a lip works like a limiter and everything so yeah. uh no no processing needed yeah, yeah. Yes. and I, I played them unmastered in a club and they sounded they sound good still so it's it's it's, it's quite a mean machine yeah 909 909 with a little bit of processing is always going to sound good in the, in the club you know yeah and it was nice to just strip it back to this raw, raw thing and more, uh, yeah, like live playing it with my hands, just like, oh yeah, I used to make tracks like this. Mm. So it was, it was really fun and really quick as well. Yeah. It's something that comes up, um, pretty much in every talk we have, you know, with, uh, in the knob twiddlers hangout that everybody has been, um, looking for ways to, um, create more manageable setups and keep things simple and and controllable 
Um, and um, of course, you know, you, you automatically do that in a way, if, even if you have a lot of gear, you never turn everything on at the same time or use everything at the same time. But um, even put them together on one, one table or just really completely restrict yourself, you know, making a rule that you can only use, you know, these two or three machines, um, you know, help quite a lot to be um, productive and to, um, you know, forces, they basically force you to uh, get something out of a, um, a restricted amount of possibilities, which... Uh, exactly which can, what in the beginning, it, as you have, we didn't have so much equipment. We have been forced to use it in a really intense way. Yeah. Like I when you you mean when you start 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 out making music when you yeah when you start yeah, out yeah. when you have two machines then you really yeah. have to use them right. Yeah. What were your um, uh, first um, pieces of hardware? For me, yeah, uh, I started with a computer called Amiga. You guys will all know this one. It's oh a, yeah. 12-bit machine, I think. And a friend was having this uh, famous program called Pro Tracker, and I was more into gaming, and then he was like, okay, you can use this for uh, music. And there was a sample from Kermit the Frog and something, so I was like <laughs> 13 or something and tried to use the bass drum right, but it didn't work. But somehow then I had my first Kermit the Frog techno, and then I was, I was infected. It wasn't my child, childhood room. <laughs> Long time ago. You got to play me that someday, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm really happy that I don't have it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Could ruin a person's career. <laughs> sure, it's funny. Um, yeah. So this is how I started, and then I had uh, Amiga with MIDI, but this was not really working. Then I bought an Atari ST, but I didn't have a sampler, so it was always a lot of struggle to get the right sound. So I was forced to use equipment and the minimal uh, technique I have in the right way. Of course, like everyone, except my always have to see I started with Reason, actually. Oh, yeah. you know that Reason? Program? Of yeah. course. Anybody using it still, like from you guys? No, not me. Using the what, sorry? Reason. Reason. Oh, no, I know lag. Uses it, you know, lag. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he uses it. And um, someone was talking to me about it the other day, saying that you know the possibilities of being able to rewire everything is is really like more advanced now. But yeah. I I used I used to really hate it because like I was making hip hop back in the day, and I was using Reason, and you couldn't play a sample if you had an eight bar sample, you had to play it from the beginning every time to hear it. You couldn't actually play it like halfway through. You have yeah. to always go back to the start. That was really frustrating. Mm. So uh, what are you using now? Are you working in the box or are you working with hardware as well? Um, I tend to like buy and sell a lot of hardware just because like, yeah, like you're saying, I like to kind of limit what I have and just use a few different tools, mainly for processing things. So yeah, mainly, I mean, I use Logic, just got a new Logic update, which is basically like Ableton, but in gray. So that's really yeah, how, how, how is that working out? I saw they used um, these slots again. You know, they, yeah. they have this. You can stay in a, in one slot and move on to the next one, or randomize the, the order and stuff like that. So yeah, it's exactly like Ableton. They've got the yeah the click launch, and I've been using uh, Logic for about like eight years or something. So I'm really familiar with it. But the new update is kind of 
revolutionize the workflow a little bit, especially with the step sequencer. Um, how easy it is to use a sampler now, you can just load up your own sounds, drag and drop, and create a drum kit, and then sequence everything, which is really, like, it just makes the workflow a lot more fluid and le less kind of awkward. Yeah. Yeah, because that was the thing with Logic, you know? The, mm -hmm. um, I mean, the the plugins and, and all the tools available there were absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, especially the, you know, some of the synths and the drum machine, you know, they're amazing they're awesome but um it was less flexible with audio and um yeah being able to throw things around in in audio and stuff um, yeah glad, exactly. glad glad they solved it it looks looks really really good yeah it's cool man they've kind of made it fun again it reminds me of fruity loops like when i was a kid <laughs> 14 15 you know just the sequencer just having fun with the step sequencer yeah anyone anyone else using logic no eh? You're... I I I used to. I think it was like version three or something like that. Okay, back in the day. Yeah, when it was run by Imagic, then. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I remember the name. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it's Cubase, by the way, which is similar to to Logic somehow. Mm. Yeah, also Ableton, of course. Yeah. So. Yeah, let's let's see what else. Um, yeah, we were just before the chat. We were talking about the um, the pulsar because Uli just got his, and Tony's been playing it with it for a while. Um, and it's one of these um, machines that everybody's drooling over at the moment. So um, really curious to hear your um, um, experiences with it. So yeah, go. <laughs> so, so, so how did you find it, Uli? Um, I don't, like I said, I only have it for a few days, like one oh. or two weeks, and I waited for it uh, since nine months. Oh. And after five months, I was uh, writing them an email like, hey, I'm waiting, I'm so curious. And then they was writing a long text back to tell me, okay, we don't have a, um, a plant in China, and it's a family uh, thing. And so was really nice the email they wrote back so and then I, it, yeah it was, it was really worth waiting and i got it like two weeks ago just did three tracks with it and it's exactly what i thought but nice. like i only i think i only used 20 percent of the possibilities of the machine since yet so it's you need a lifetime to really explore <laughs> i think I, I guess you saw the um... Did you see Vlad's videos on his on his channel where he yeah I saw he just spends uh, almost like an hour going through one section of it mm. yeah 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 that I found that really useful to you know like watch the video and then stop it and play around with what he's explained mm -hmm. and then you know that uh, I will do I, it the next I, weeks I will I will uh, watch more of these. Yeah. Because I read the manual before I got it and it didn't make any any sense to me <laughs> at all, but um. But yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I did, um, I played at a festival in St. Petersburg last summer and I'm, I met one of the guys from the company, not, not Vlad, but, um, another guy. And I, I was doing a, I was doing a live, uh, performance using the, the Lyra eight. Mm. And so we just sort of kept in contact from that and, um, and uh yeah it was just um of course said i i, I was interested in the in the pulsar but um 
and um yeah i mean uh, like we were like we were saying before um i think i think the live performance the really abstract thing with using the loop recorders i think that that probably suits a more abstract performance whereas triggering it with some kind of midi sequencer and getting it to be more uh kind of tame rhythmically suits suits a, a, tech, a techno thing better yeah. The way I, the way I understand it, that the CV recorders um, are unquantized, right? You, there's yeah. no way to yeah, yeah. okay. So uh, totally unquant- pretty, it's totally, it's totally un. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you can do things like uh, you can you can have each loop recorder having different clocks and all kinds mm. of really uh, really crazy stuff. But to just do straight, if you want to do straight techno with it, for sure, it's it's better to use it with a with a sequencer. But but I mean, I I think I think it will be a really good um, uh, live instrument, mm-hmm. just because there's so much scope with the with the sounds on it, and um, <clears throat> and I, I think it's I think it should sound really powerful as well. Would you go sound? live? Would you go live with it? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, yeah nice. How about you, Uli? What? It, what what is it for you? Is it uh, is it um, a studio instrument or a live? Yeah, first it's a studio thing for me, and I don't know how they call it. They call it organic drum machine or something. Or, organ 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 organismic or something. Yeah, something like this. So as I saw the first videos and everything was, and I didn't know what was happening. So I was seeing the machine. And I saw that and I hear the sound understand what was going on and this is something i really like <laughs> so then i then i chose to buy it so uh, but i will not take it for my live shows maybe if i play with circle of life then i would really uh, bring this maybe with me or maybe if i play with you together just another project i think it would be quite fun to do um a soma labs uh, only setup you know like a lyra and a and a, a pulsar and just you know, jam for for an hour or so. That's right. Yeah. Did, did you see any of their gear, Manny? No. <laughs> no, yeah, I, didn't. Pre- I I just um, I like I like it because it's so unhinged and it's not so. I mean, certain I don't know. Certain gear is good because it, you know, it it behaves itself and it does exactly what you tell it to. But this stuff is just nuts and uh, yeah. I. I I like that kind of spirit where, you know, people think I'm crazy for using the Lyra Live, but you know, it's 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 not so crazy. See, that's interesting because I I really like that in the studio, but I think I'm too kind of nervous to use it. So use something like that live because kind of I like to kind of you know create some order out of chaos when it comes to hardware. I like to kind of just press record, see what happens, and then go back to it like an hour later or something. Whereas with the live thing, for me, it's more, I guess, more regi- regimented and still freeform, but has a bit more, yeah, less chaos to it, really, or less mm. kind of, um, I like to kind of exert a bit more control over it. But in the studio, it's the opposite. Yeah, I could, yeah, see, I- I could see both things working for live. It depends on what kind of uh, room you're playing, you know. If you're um, uh, doing a, you know, big room techno kind of set, of course, you that would be very challenging to uh, to use, you know, but um, uh, if you would use the CV um, uh, recorders, but, um, you know, some more abstract kind of um, 
set you know would I, I think it would be it would be amazing because it I've used the um, I haven't used the Pulsar but I've used the Lyra quite a bit and um, it takes you so many places without ever um, you know boring you and and you know it's just um, being on a it's like being on a I don't know like a a car with three wheels or something, you know, it's like, you know, you kind of know what to do to get something, but you know, it might go the other way and, you know, be com completely uncontrollable at, at, at the next moment. And, um, yeah, I, I like that kind of, um, um, danger, you know, when you're improvising, mm. you've, you've you been using the Lyra a lot, right, Mike? I have it here. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like it, but I think like the potentiometers, like for the oscillators, they're quite raw, you know. It's really if you really want to tune tune them together, it's a bit dif difficult, I think. If you want to be <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forget I, it. <laughs> I saw like um, there is a group uh, on Facebook for the Lyra as well, and there is like a, a, a mod, so you can change like this potentiometers. To, to have like really endless, it's a little bit like the, the, the ones you have on the on the pin electronics, but a little bit smaller, you know, so you have a wider range. Mm. It's not so so raw, you know, like the, 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 the steps between like the, the nodes, you know. Someone in the comments was telling us we can call it orgasmic drum machine, <laughs> by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the whole philosophy of um, all the Soma Lab instruments is um, is basically um, to have um, basically the lack the lack of um, actual precise control is is a very important thing showing up in all these things they do. You know, it's yeah. um, they you give them input and um, uh, but they never really. Um, do exactly what you do. There's always a, an element of um, um, surprise or uh, um, a lot of you can you can you can kind of steer it in a direction, but there's always something going to happen which you didn't expect, and that kind of should give you feedback from the yeah. instrument and you know give a more sort of um, exciting way to interact with it. And I think that's a really nice way of looking at instruments because. Um, if you're sitting behind something which um, which does exactly what you do, it can things can become very rigid very quickly. Um, um, so I, I, I like the I like at least that the, there are people out there uh, yeah. taking this approach to building instruments. I think it's a really uh, gutsy thing to do, and and I I yeah I, I love it. I mean it's it's um, it's not only the interaction but also the sound. All that's <clears throat> all that stuff has a very distinct. Um, it's sound it, character, yeah. Like I mean, every time I do something on the Lyra, I I can hear like the sound from the synth. Yeah. yeah. Or what do you mean? You can. What do you mean? You. I use... think it has like a like a distinct character every yeah, time. Yeah. Okay. Is it like the sound from the synth, like the oscillators, how they sound? Also, when you do the FM, which is like crazy. I don't know really how it. How, how the oscillators works with each other, you know, like the combinations. But I think this has a somewhat distinct sound. Yeah, you mean it's very difficult to make it sound unlike a Lyra? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can use it in a very sweet way, I think, to make it sound very mild and very round. But you can also make it scream, you know, like make it really metallic and, and, and crazy. I mean, I haven't spent that much time with it, but um, I got I got I got the whole spectrum out of it, basically. Yeah. You know, yeah. everything from very, yeah, from very sweet melodic, you know, lovely sounding things to absolute, you know, mental um, industrial chaos, basically, yeah. and everything in between. So I think it's very versatile. Um, I saw something that. Um, that I was going to, yeah, here, Tony, this is directly to you, from uh, Franco uh, Castagno. Uh-huh. I'm probably butchering his name. Hey, Franco, what's up? Hey. <laughs> what's um, because, because, yeah, you, you do a lot of um, live performances which are very much um, based on, on improvisation, right? And, like, just go set up your gear, go there, you know, um, set the starting point and then off you are without yeah. any, any song structures or, um, yeah, that's, this is what I call the more abstract performances in it. And they're not so, they don't have sort of drums in, in strictly. Um, but, uh, the looper is definitely a really important part of that because it's like, uh, it kind of, I can I can feed I can feed the the sound into the looper and and because it's looping it gives it more of a structure and it also allows me to leave I mean the looper I use is like a hardware looper it's just it's four loops so I can feed something into one loop leave it playing and then I can set the the gear up to make a new sound and then gradually feed that in and then maybe the first loop can die out and it it's a way of uh, i don't know you can layer melodies on top of each other um so i mean i find the uh for the abstract live stuff uh the live looper is is like a really essential uh part of it because uh that way i can just develop a theme and 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 uh you know have it have it build and develop but then it also kind of um falls apart in front of me and the audience and i'm i'm kind of following and watching it in the same way that the audience does and which one do you use which looper do you use it's, uh, it's elect i'm looking at it it's the electro electro harmonics uh 45000 i think it's called <laughs> <laughs> and and how is it connected in the chain um, when you it's, play live? So uh, the output from whatever gear I'm using is going in to the looper input. And it's got two inputs, so I could feed two different synths into it. Yeah. And uh, the important thing about this one is that you can externally uh, MIDI clock it. So if mm -hmm. I have a sequence running, I I have that the looper being the slave clock to to the the gear. So if I'm doing uh, sequences or arpeggios, then they're going to loop in time. Mm. Nice. And that and that way you can clock them at different rates and overlay them and make some kind of uh, melodic sense. So when you say it's kind of morphing. In front of you in the audience is that kind of polyrhythmically you mean the the way 
that the loops overlap because well, if it's slaved it's going to be in time well it's in time but it's the way that you know if i if i feed something into the looper i can't undo that it's always mm. kind of layering and layering so no matter what happens i have to go with it you have to deal so with it I yeah Mistake. Do you do you uh, can you preview what's going in into the looper on on headphones or anything or uh, that I think that would just take me out of the music too much. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, okay. like for modular or whatever, I never preview stuff. I just bring it in and hope it's hope it works. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just how how I like to work. Yeah, but that's that's also the <laughs> seat of my the, pants. It's the power of repetition, isn't it? Because if, yeah, yeah, that's if, where if, the if loop you, comes in. Yeah, but even if you if you if you when you bring something in and it's not like the ideal thing you bring in, but by by the fact that it's repeating, you kind of you know kind of get used hmm. to it in your head and and go with it and then yeah, absolutely, know, yeah, yeah. And cool. and you know if something's not so good, you can just kind of add to it and kind of you find a way of making it work. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, and again, that's where the looper comes in. And um, yeah, like I said, I like I like this kind of creation and destruction that you see that you hear happening uh, right there, you know. And and I, I find it quite a powerful way to feel really connected with the audience because we're kind of going through that experience together. And I don't really know, in you know, time. like, like you're yeah. saying, I am kind of steering it, but you know, there's a lot of randomness involved and mm. I, i i really enjoy that you know and i've come to enjoy that more and more with live performance and and the type of gear that i like i like i like the the weirder wilder stuff yeah so what in, in sorry, sorry go on so what kind of options do you have with the looper is there any filter for each channel or is it just uh, a fader for the volume it's just a it's a fader and um the fader also acts as the feedback amount. So it's like a volume and feedback amount. So I can gradually fade it out, but it also, uh, each, each repetition, it will, you know, bring the feedback down. Nice. Uh, yeah, it, it's quite, it's pretty usable and quite robust. I mean, yeah, you can pan them, but. Yeah, it could work as like four mono loops or two stereo loops. No, I just googled it. I will have a... <laughs> <laughs> but the th the point was, I was uh, I was looking for one that I could uh, clock with external MIDI, and I uh, at the time I was looking, I couldn't find that many that that um, that yeah, do I that. Have, I have the Chaos yeah. Pad Three. What do you think about this for as, as a loop machine? The Chaos Pad Three from Korg. Uh, I have. Yeah, I don't. I, I had a really early Chaos Pad, but I don't. I don't know about the the new one. Okay. Well, there's there. If you want to do looping, there's so many so many options out there. You know, there's so many loopers. Even uh, Ableton can do looping if you want that. Um, um, you know, just have channels going into. Um, um, right. Yeah, just hit record and or automate that or whatever. But then a lot of people actually use Ableton as a live looper. And then there's. Um, did um, did you did you find that work? Because I I tried that initially, and I had some. I uh, I didn't find a way around the problems with the latency. You know, if I left something looping for a long time, it would it would fall out of time. Um, But maybe I just yeah. did it. Maybe I just did it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. I think, uh, you, yeah, if you quantize your, your clips, then you should be fine. Look, I had that problem with the Octatrack, and I remember talking to you, Tony, because I was saying that you can't loop something that's more than, what was that? What was it? It's like, I was trying to loop something that was 32 bars, and it was just kept slipping out of time. All oh, right. Uh, but you were saying there's a way you can sync it which I never figured out, and I sold the Otter Tracks. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. I, I learned it all from YouTube clips. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's one that is uh, directly, directed straight to Uli, to Vril, from Techno 2020. Hello, Techno 2020. Hello. <laughs> um, how do you think about achieving a clean mix while still embracing messy and natural dubby sounds? Uh, do you follow similar approaches live in the studio? I think you should take the first one, you know, because, um, yeah, your music is often very, very dubby and very, you know, layered and everything. Um, how do you keep the mix clean? I try to understand the question. <laughs> the mix, uh, I don't, yeah. I don't try to keep the mix clean. I try not to mess the mix too much up. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So. Mm. No, but your mu your music, uh, I'll help to uh, I'll help uh, Mr. or Mrs. Techno Two Thousand. Mm. Um, your your um, um, your sound is you have a very full sound. You know, there's always yeah. lots of layers going on, lots of um, manipulation of sounds and everything. And um, I mean, it's, if you have a, a drum machine, just um, you know, a kick and a hat and a snare. It's easy to keep it clean, right? But your your music sounds like a almost like a wall of sound with like yeah. delays going everywhere, um, and and uh, lots of yeah uh, textures and stuff. Um, yeah, of course, I, I start I start clean too. So, for example, if it's a kick, I then I use a, a long reverb and maybe sample it and then cutting it that it proves right, or I just record stuff um, and then I use some cheap modern plugin to, to use some granular. Synthes uh, or so I use like something like glitches and everything that makes noises. So, but I start clean, of course, so, yeah. and then I have a control of, of how dirty it gets. Do you mix as you go along, or do you kind of arrange, produce the track, and then have a mixing session afterwards? No, no, it's 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 all in in a few hours. So I mix. Yeah. And, yeah, this is all. There's not much. There's not so much um, structure in it. It's, it's really just in, in one night. I do maybe like four or five tracks. You make it sound very easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I start clean and then I uh, take four or five tracks. A few hours. In one night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for me, the the story I told about the Amiga. This was like in '94 or something. So I do my music for a long time. So for me, maybe it's it's easy. It's, it's like a computer game. <laughs> but you don't have any um, like uh, typical um, approaches, like uh, secrets <laughs> to to keep your mixes. I, I can I can tell you a secret. Okay, Actually, Uli is the one on the mixer who always drives everything in the red. You know, <laughs> <laughs> if you have a good mixer, keep the levels hot. He, yeah. Actually, he's always like using extremes. Also, when 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 he uses compressors, or something like this, and yeah. I don't know how he keeps it clean, but he is 
somebody who's always going for the extreme and when, when it comes to making mm. sounds here also when we work together in the studio. So that's so but the question was like how I keep my sound set clean or because I don't think that that my sound is set clean. So I like when it's when it's nearly when it comes to a kind of catastrophe and then you somehow can rescue it and then then I like it. Right, but uh, there's still you can you can call it not clean, but it's still punchy and everything has mm. has the, has its own space and yeah. it sits nicely in the mix. That's what I, that's I think what they mean. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, it, it helps if you always um, work with the same machine. For example, your nine nine or if you really learn your drum machine well, then it helps to have control. On, on your Is this a, a good answer? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, um, I th yeah, it's a. Uh, I guess you're the the same as me. You know, um, whatever you are doing, you're not really putting any science to it. Just use your ears, and whatever you like is uh, is the thing you go with. I put science to it, but it, it's oh, not you do. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My own. Uli Secret science. science. Yeah. Uli science. <laughs> Uli science, no. Um, there are no rules, but some, sometimes I go back to my uh, signature sound from the beginnings, just like with the big kick. And so there are some some stuff I always do, and but I always try to um, find new chaotic algorithms. So it's hard for me to explain this in, in a few sentences. Well, take your time. <laughs> um, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Fair enough. For now. For now. But I uh, recommend there's like, I like uh, pedal machines like Infinite Jets from a company is called Holograph or Hologram or something. It's called Infinite Jets. Or there's some from Meris called Autobit. These are small machines that really make uh, special chaos or make interesting kind of glitches. And I really uh, like these machines. So I like pedals that create chaos. Okay, so there's a lot of manipulation going on, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love, also like small plugins like um, Permut 8 on, um, yeah, small cheap plugins that somehow create something you could never create on your own. Right. Uh, John Hester is showing up here. Hey, ah, John. Hey, John. hey, John. Long time no see. <laughs> uh, uh, and I saw this thing ex uh, directed to uh, Mike specifically from Bruce Franklin. Oh. Hey, Bruce. Hi, Bruce. From my life. You wanna, yeah, you want to talk about this, uh, Mike? Actually, um... Your live performances for my for my solo performances is basically like techno music. Um, I try to, as I never really performed the live show. I mean, I was uh, nearly, uh, nearly doing it. Nearly, <laughs> nearly, <laughs> nearly, but uh, everything got somehow cancelled. Uh, <laughs> what happened? Uh, <laughs> prepared for a long time, right? <laughs> so, yeah, basically, I mean, I, I prepared some from from 
some stuff from my from my tracks I already released, and it's a, a mixture between like um, new stuff and some some loops, some 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 signature sounds from 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 the tracks I made, and it's maybe a little bit not not like like Tony's doing it, like everything like fully free. I think that's something you can only do if you really play a lot of live sets and do it for a long time but i'm i'm just just starting you know it's like um, it's, it's good to dive in there yeah 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 i i mean i i really enjoy this live jamming in the studio but i guess it's like totally different like when you have this like one hour in a club and you have to be on point and um so <laughs> I'm really curious how how it works out. So, what is the what is your approach? What what do you use um, equipment wise? Uh, I have um, I wanted to use um, the octa track in the beginning for 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 the samples and stuff, but I I found it it's a bit too complicated for me to to oversee the actual live set. So I'm I'm using Ableton. To <laughs> <laughs> oh, now now we will we'll get more views, guys. Yeah, <laughs> there's it. It's, views are gonna go through the roof with the cat, you know, joining oh, us. Well, <laughs> hey, Hello. Hello. sorry. <laughs> so Ableton is is the sequencer. I have the um, Electron Rhythm drum machine, and um. Actually, I wanted to take this uh, GRP A2. I don't know if you know that one. It's here, no, the one in the middle behind. Uh, GRP is like an Italian brand. Um, oh, it's a synth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically two os oscillators, but um, this one is quite crazy with with modulations, like the FM. I, I don't know. I really like FM a lot, so I... I um, and it's somehow manageable, you know, because it's uh, there's no no way to save anything, but it's not super complicated. And yeah, the syncussion was uh, in the live set. Do you, oh, nice! Yeah, syncussion. Is, I, I think you never can go wrong with the syncussion. Like everything yeah. good from the syncussion. And yeah. I mean, I'm I'm still figuring out how to manage like the whole life set by myself. You know? um, and do yeah. you use a, would, would you use um, a mixer? Uh, at some yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a DJ mixer or a live mixer? Um, actually, I I tried to use the DJ mixer, um, but I want to have my my drums on on single channels on the mixer, so. It's a, bit, a little bit of problem with the DJ mixer, not to just have like a stereo out from the drum machine, because I want to have like delays just on the hi hats or mm -hmm. like something like this. So um, you use this one also? Huh? You, you use this one for that? I used like the L and Hees for 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 testing it, but I guess I want to have like the 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 Midas, which is like the common mixer. Most of the people I know use them. I also have the Midas here in the studio, so I'm familiar with it. 
Do yeah, that it? makes sense. How, nice. how do you how do you play live, Manny? Um, so I was using the Octatrack as well, but I sold it. I've got the and I kind of swapped it out with the MPC Live. So MPC Live, you can play, you know, really long samples from tracks. So in a similar way, where I'm kind of I'm playing, testing out new sounds that I've made um, with some loops from some old tracks or like more familiar tracks of mine. Um, so I was using um, TRAS, so you can obviously load your own sounds onto it with the SD card. And I really like I really like the way it sounds. It's kind of got analog circuitry and the EQs sound really nice. And it's 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 kind of it's it's quite intuitive. It's a bit of menu diving, and it's kind of got a small kind of old school computer, but it it gets the job done and it sounds really powerful in the club. Um, so I was using that with the yeah, so the MPC Live and the TRAS, and I was using the MFB as well. It's Tans, I can't remember if it's the Tans bar or the Tans mouse. The little oh, yeah. white one, just for kind of more spontaneous percussion and hi hats and. Is that a percussion? Yeah, this is drum machine, little drum machine. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I think I've seen. I, I haven't. I've seen it, but not not played with it. Yeah, it's cool. I sold that as well, actually. <laughs> but um, so I just kind of add a bit of spontaneity. I'm using um, a synth that a friend of mine made called the Motherfucker. So she, uh, my friend Eva Jessica made it. She mm-hmm. makes lots of kind of wild, crazy synths. This one's got two oscillators and a delay, and it's basically like a noise machine. It's just completely out of control. It's completely wild. Like everything she makes is really experimental. So I like to kind of use that to add a bit more spontaneity to the set. And yeah, I mean, the sequencer on the TRAS is really intuitive, and you can kind of get a lot of spontaneity with that. Do you do you um, uh, prepare stuff? Um, you know, pre-prepare loops and stuff, or do you do you just program everything on the fly? Um, so uh, some loops I pre I um, prepare, and then others I just kind of just chuck in there, and I just kind of have a lot of one-shot sounds, obviously, for the drums and sequencing all of that live. Um, and then there are some loops that are pre-prepared and some stems from tracks. Right. Okay. Okay. So there's some familiar stuff yeah. in there but you basically you, you know throw them together as you go and, and improvise yeah. drums over top yeah yeah that's a good that's a cool way to do it yeah and but do you find gone yeah and do you have stuff connected to a dj mixer so you have more like the dj feel or um, yeah. do you actually have lots of lots of channels going on so i tried both i tried with a, a midas mixer but i ended up using the allen and heath a little bit uh, like more frequently because i really just like how easy it is to filter things in and out and kind of, I guess, I mean, I DJ way more than I play live. So I kind of, you know, I'm more familiar with the mixer and I really like the way the filters sound. And it's just, I can condense everything down to like four channels just with the three or four machines. So it's, you know, it just, it works well for me. Yeah, there's a whole area which sort of spans the the spectrum between playing live and djing you know um, yeah um yeah i i think that there's there's a there are so many ways to do it but if you keep it controllable you know um on a dj mixer whatever whatever you're feeding into it whether they are loops from ableton or from you know even tractor or um you know hardware machines or whatever the the interface is pretty familiar you know it's, it's yeah. always the same so it's like DJing with um, loops or with 
um, you know, DJing with, um, you know, stems more like than, mm. than actual, yeah. I mean, you can you can come up with things on the fly with for for everything, you know. But it, it just makes it um, um, harder to get moments where everything clicks together, you know. So it's good yeah. to have something going on which is providing you with something that is, um, which you know is going to work or is going to be solid. And then, mm. um, but it's I think it's also important to have something going on which you have no idea how it's going to turn out, but. Um, you know, which kind of sort of adds, adds to the excitement and, you know, creates moments which are completely unpredictable. Yeah. Um, and with, with the TRAS as well, you can, you have a different output for every channel. So you can run, you know, yeah, run your hi-hats through a delay or, you know, whatever through a reverb. So I use a few different pedals. But in terms of like more spontaneity, I kind of, I feel like it's, it's easier to get that when you, perform with other people actually i think i enjoy playing live with other people more than just by myself do you play live uh uli yes yeah, of course uh, yeah of course but you you, you I've, I've seen you play live many many times but how how do you how do you play live can you can you talk about that because um um I yeah we're we all in this we all have a similar approach right like a compact setup yeah, life is, is a bit the opposite of how I work in the studio. So life is uh, with Ableton and controllers, two controllers, and then maybe I add some drum machine or some chaos pad or something I like in the moment. So this is more control based. So, but your setup also, is um, is varying; it's it's changing all the time. Um, especially when I play with Circle of Life, I think you you guys know the project with Sebastian Mullert. Mm -hmm. And with uh, different uh, people jamming on stage, um, just improvising, then I have a real like live setup with all the machines. But uh, when I play, it's basically two controllers, and then I change some effect units or one drum machine. And of course, I yeah, I have to travel with it, and then I I decided not to bring so much gear with me. And I like to control everything. Yeah, so it's um, it's a choice, basically, for traveling convenience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, also to have control uh, on the live sounds, but I want to combine this improvising mentality from the Circle of Life gigs with my normal live setup. So for next year, I will have a bit of a different approach to the live set. Also with a looper, I thought about a looper, and. Uh, Cool. Um, I saw uh, Robin showing up. Robin, hey. my friend. Ah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Um, with this question directly, directly okay. to uh, to Mike to Rodhead. Did you get yes. the Overstayer modular channel? Yes. And how do you like it? I just got it a few weeks ago, and <laughs> I really like it. <laughs> do you do you know what it is? Uh, I've heard no, the name, but I. Yeah. It's basically it's a yeah it's a, a nineteen inch rack um, machine and it's uh, I you can use it on the master for example it's uh, various it's like it's it's big it's <laughs> it's uh, I'm googling it, has, it now yeah it has like a filter inside it's an EQ. 
it's a compressor, it's a saturation, and um, you can mix everything together. It's really flexible, right? Yeah. It's really more like a, uh, it's more to change the sound, and it's, it's not a classic <laughs> compressor. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow, it looks amazing. Yeah. It sounds also amazing. Yeah. So, how how would you describe the sound? What does it do? What what? Why did you get it? What's uh... um, actually I got it because Uli uh, um, told me about it. I, <laughs> yeah, okay. I saw. I also wanted to have it, but it's like expensive. some some video <laughs> from Alessandro Cortini using it in the studio, and it's basically um, saturation tool. Uh, I wanted to use it on on mixes on the master. I made some mix downs through it, actually. So you can go from like really saturated uh, saturation from like really mastering saturation, like really light saturation to like destroy everything um, which is going through it. So um, cool. Yeah. So how, I, how how would you describe the sound? Because there are so many saturation. Tools out there. Uh, I mean, it's it's not so easy to describe it because it's like so versatile, you know. Mm. And the way you can use it, it's um, it's it can be like everything, you know. I think it <laughs> like really dirty and muddy, yeah. So or also really high tech, and, and yeah. so it's like everything you need for, for a distortion. Unit. It's the most flexible distortion unit. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds, sounds great. Filters, equalizer, compressor. Yeah. Yeah, it looks interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so you just, you just, I mean, it's you just really, ordered it's, it. It's a bit difficult to describe because you can use it in so many different ways. You know, you can just use like the compressor and you have so many ways of routing like the sounds through the machine. You can go back and forth and like mm. have, can really have like super heavy saturation and I, I I have it on the drum group most of the time but you can also put it like on the master like. right cool uh, here is one that could be interesting because you were just talking to the about the syncussion before mm -hmm. um, a guy from Tom what's up Tom um, do you think the Nord drum is a good alternative to the syncussion? Um, or is there anything you can recommend except modular? I was going to I, I was going to suggest modular because there's uh, this uh, Japanese company who make uh, a syncussion clone for Eurorack. Um, oh, and I yeah I got that. Mm. It sounds it sounds really really good, but it obviously it does it doesn't have the same layout because it's in a in a rack you know euro rack um, uh, format so it doesn't you know the good thing one one of the things that makes the syncussion so um usable is the the layout with uh, you know just a bunch of faders and yeah. very easy shaping of yeah. um of your sound um don't know about the nordrum though but uh whether that would i mean it's that's a whole completely totally amazing uh instrument by itself but yeah uh, as don't know how close it can you can get it to the syncussion. I think the syncussion. You can get. Yeah, but I think again, you know, with the the syncussion is it's pretty much ninety percent is the interface, you know. Yeah, it's like the layout because it's super yeah. easy to handle, 
and I would say like the Nord drum is is really it's it's, it's also really nice. It's um, but it has like six channels. You have a bit more um, possibilities to like modulate the sound to 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 design the sound. It goes a bit more far, I would say. Um, I like this incursion because it's so easy to use it, and it's also like working for life and stuff like this. Really good. Yeah, it's the interface is uh, is definitely something uh, that helps with uh, the syncussion. Uh, I know there are syncussion clones. You know, you just Google them. There's, I think, there's a three, two or three out there. Uh, but um, one of them actually is as expensive as the original syncussion. But there are people selling kits and stuff. You know, so if you really yeah. after after a syncussion, you you can give it a try. But um, um, yeah, mo again, I would say you know the the sound of the syncussion is amazing, but it's not like the most, it's not completely unique. You could get it from other instruments, but um, it's the interaction with um, the in the interface that makes it uh, so valuable. Um, I've, I saw this thing coming by, which is um, advice to people who are not at the point um, who are basically starting out. Um, maybe we can all talk about this a little bit because I noticed there's a lot of people um, who are starting out watching this uh, hangout. Um, would we have any advice for Ferdinand? Hey, Ferdinand. <laughs> I think I think just send send emails. I feel like a lot of people who run labels that I know they listen to like ninety percent of the demos that they get sent. I mean, people who run labels are often DJs as well, so they're more likely to listen to your music. And I think if you're going to contact a label, just make it as easy as possible for them to listen to your music. Like, Don't send an obscure link that's going to take 30 minutes to download. You want, to, <laughs> yeah, you want it to be... You want to like send a SoundCloud link, downloadable yeah. tracks, or send a SoundCloud link and a Dropbox link or whatever. <clears throat> I feel like make it easy for the person that's receiving it. And also, I feel like... Yeah, go on. Also... Take your time before sending out demos and really Definitely. find your song. Yeah. Yeah, I know some people that send every track that they finish. Like, they'll finish <laughs> it and send it pretty... Um, they'll bounce it and then send it pretty much straight away. And just like, just, yeah, take your time, man. I feel like the best the best advice I was ever given was to take... Sorry. <laughs> you send away Say, everything? Say that, I, I didn't hear that time. What did you say? Sorry, I Wait, wait till the next day at least. Don't, don't yeah. send it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. That's you know, some, yeah, just you need to kind of come back to it with fresh ears and actually, you know, yeah, get some perspective. I would say send more than one track because if, yeah. if, you got, if you finally get somebody to listen to your stuff, you want them to hear um, your, you know, the span of your, your sound, you know, your exactly. kind of don't send them 200 tracks but also don't send them just two or just one you know i would say yeah. send them about you know between five and ten or something so yeah. you can get an idea about what you're about you know and you know kind of get the head around the range of stuff you, you're capable of uh yeah. doing and you know of course um get yourself on Bandcamp, you know or uh at, on soundcloud or whatever you know just uh yeah. put your put your name out there in in no matter whether you're being picked up or not by by any labels 
um, it's easier than ever, you know, to to publish your stuff. So yeah, I feel also obviously it's difficult now, and it kind of depends on where you live. But meeting people at gigs is still really important. Like being able to put a face to the name, I find is is still important. I think he also asked um, if it's a good idea to start your own label. And I mean, if you have some friends and they're all producing, and if the music is really nice, and you have someone that can organize, maybe it makes sense to to grow your own label. But yeah, that's another step. It's always hard to say if it makes sense. I think yeah, it can be it can be a really strong statement to uh, when when people, but yeah, I suppose it, you know particularly if it's a group of like maybe just two or three producers, if they start a label with a strong uh, sound and and you know look mm -hmm. or something like that, I think that can be quite strong. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense if, if all your friends having the same sound, or it, um, yeah, if it all relates together, it makes sense to make a. Cool. Um, a Roger Pom. That must be somebody from Holland. <laughs> what is it, hey, Roger hey, Pom? It's a uh, it's uh, it's potato on ah, bread, yeah. uh, like okay. uh, with uh, Suriname way, you know. Uh, yeah. Um Assimilator. Yeah, that's the the, the sampler by Rossum. Um Is it Rossum Electronics? I don't know. It, I don't know. I'm very bad at names, but it's uh, they do the. The, the filter and the control forge and uh, some really high high end um, Eurorack modules. Has anybody tried the um, um, sampler from Rossum? No, no, I will. <laughs> okay. I will check here. Yeah, I heard of it. Yeah, me too. Okay, what about what about samples in Eurorack? Because I feel sometimes that um, you know uh, the whole Eurorack sure. um, offerings are going towards. Uh, you know, full-blown instruments like you know polyphonic modules, um, you know sampling modules, like all all kinds of really um, deep um, you know instruments and and modules, which kind of um, are way beyond what what Eurorack started out with. You know, um, in a sense that you know the you, the it used to be mostly like the uh, the basic elements of uh, of sound synthesis, you know, like oscillators, filters, VCAs, um, and now you get these complete, almost workstation. How do you? Yeah, I don't know. How do you? How do you feel about that? Because I do own some of the more complex ones, but I still enjoy the um, the ones that are just doing simple tasks without many menus to go into um, the most. To be honest, uh, from from a perspective of someone who. I've obviously had, you know, twiddled on some modular systems, but I don't have any modular gear. It just kind of makes it way more overwhelming to get into. So, you know, where do you start? There are so many options. It's crazy. Yeah. What about you, Tony? I think um, more, more, more recently, I've kind of gone towards more like, uh, again, sort of thinking it from a, putting together a live set i've gone towards more of a sort of uh desktop synth kind of approach like you know octatrack and uh um the lep loop i almost forgot, forgot the name of it the the lep loop 
and uh, just small, uh, just connecting together small bits of gear, just MIDI syncing stuff. I've really enjoyed that, and it's quite—I don't know—it it travels quite easily. I can I can sort of put it all into like one, uh, uh, like a wheelie case. Um, so yeah, I've kind of um, I've kind of lost touch with um, really, you know, the uh, up to date what's happening in in Euro, in the Eurorack world recently, really. And but also, you know, it's it's kind of good to not look at it because then I I don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, well, there's a good strategy. You know, you can um, you you can put stuff in shopping baskets um, and then um, set yourself the rule that you can only uh, press buy uh, one month later. And often you'll see um, it's um, before you hit the month mark, it's it's disappeared already. You know, it's um, you you kind of think, oh, okay, uh, do I really need this? Probably not. You know, <laughs> but. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think the whole with I mean, everybody has their own approach, you know, and there's there's some people who've even been on this chat like Richard Devine or Colin Benders have massive machines and huge racks and they 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 have the kind of brain to uh, to keep control of everything or, or manage the whole sort of Frankenstein setup. Um, uh, but I think, you know, for for me, it's it's more about building uh, a patch which is uh, which is the right balance between controllability um, and um, and simplicity, you know. So so you try to get a maximum range out of um, um, a small patch. I think is more adventurous and more to my taste of working than you know just keep on patching and keep on you know sticking things in and. Um, you know, kind of lose track on on the actual system you're designing because that's really what you're doing. You know, you're designing a system, and um, you know, simple patches can take can take you, you know, many many ways. Um, so I I saw that also in your um, rack, Tony, when mm. we were working together. It's um it's a fairly uh, small case compared to some of the systems you see out yeah. there, but the range of of um, sounds you got from there were were just incredible. Yeah, um, I don't know. I just I just spent time kind of building it and uh, just a lot of patching, really, a lot of cross patching. Um, I, was gonna, I, I I kept thinking. Uh, I think a lot. I think the reason behind why I do a lot of things is because I'm really impatient. I think that um, <laughs> sounds I, familiar. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I, I realized quite recently it's like that's why i don't build like these huge systems and have like really crazy elaborate setups and and production methods because you know i just i'm just too impatient for it i i start twiddling something and go oh that sounds cool and then i want to start like jamming it and mm. where you go and um you know i just yeah it's just being impatient <laughs> yeah. What about, about what about you, Mike? Have you um, gone into the modular? No, thing actually, yet? I I try to buy synthesizers who have a lot of like modulation possibilities on board. You know, so I I'm just maybe also afraid of starting 
buying modules and I know how it ends. You know, most of the people, they start and just want to have a small rack and then, you know, ah, I need this and I need this and uh, another one. And in the end, you just like spending time buying modules and forget like making music. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and this... Uh, well, yeah, it happens to some people. I mean, you, you, again, it, it just, it just, um, uh, it all comes down to what you want to achieve with it. You know, um, uh, again, you can do, you can just start out with a, a small setup. I would say to anybody who wants to get into this stuff, uh, don't go um, all the way in. Um, you know, at the, you don't buy too many things at the same time. You know, just start one by one. There's one question here from Tyre Golato. Subtitler, <laughs> anyone having uh, have thoughts on complete systems like the make noise shared system? Does something like this make sense for just someone who uh, for someone who is just beginning uh, their modular journey? I would say, you know, systems made up of um, um, modules by one manufacturer um, who are designed as uh, as a sort of um, um, you know, everything like a box that does everything, or that has all the components to to do synthesis, to to basically carry carry out all the functions you need, are a good idea to start. The shared system is a pretty big one, you know, pretty daunting one to start with if you have never worked with modular before. But it's definitely the, a way to do it. Just to go with um, you know three or four simple modules by one manufacturer because they obviously. Uh, tend to talk to each other quite well, and um, and you know they can you'll be able to get your head around it um, easier. The, yeah. the so, shared system is it is it is it this big system from 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 making noise? Yeah, well, I think there will yeah. be like parts in it that you that then later you will find out that you don't need them. So there's a lot. Yeah, of stuff sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think whether, you it depends if you're if you're really rich <laughs> then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then it's then it's okay because it's it's quite but yeah I, I agree there's going to be i think it could be interesting in the beginning but there'll there'll definitely come a time when you might regret um getting that whole thing and yeah like like you said um i think you'll find but i think if you buy a whole load of modules in the beginning you're always the more modules you buy the more of them you're not gonna like if that makes sense but it's really hard to be be um disciplined about that i think if if the guys um if his objective is just to learn how modular works you can always get like vca rack you can get it as free software yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, and so, uh, soft tube doing modular i think that's it's like i don't know a hundred dollars or something super cheap so if you really want to if his goal is to just learn how to use it, then you can always do that. And then, because obviously with that, you can pick which modules you like. And, you know, they actually have the clouds modules and dope fur modules. So you can actually use them and think about what you actually want to purchase. Yeah, that's also good for traveling, this soft tube modular system. Yeah. It's good for traveling and find out what you, if it's something for you or not. Mm. Yeah, I'm, it, it, you're right. If you if you just want to get your head around it, um, I would stay away from actually purchasing a, a you know analog uh, hardware because um, if you don't really understand the basic features of synthesis, it's um, 
it's, it might be good to first get your, you know, get to familiarize yourself with that, you know, and um, see if it's uh, doing anything for you. Um, uh, I saw this other thing directed to Mike again. Oh. Uh, how did you like the Dominion One? What is a Dominion One? Uh, from uh, MF, MFB. Ah, actually. yeah, okay, okay. Um, actually, I like it. It's a little bit similar to the um, to the Monopoly, to the Cork Monopoly, mm -hmm. I would say. Um, is it a monophonic synth? It's monophonic, yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know if you see it. It's here. Uh, it's basically um, three oscillators and um, yeah, also FM. It's uh, it's it's a very powerful synth, but basically, I'm looks like a synth. I here. I don't use it that much, but it uh, it sounds good. It, I would compare it with the with the monopoly. Okay, and I think he also asked you if it's already showed up in your um, in your production. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I mean, I I'm, I'm using most of the synths. No, it has a really good sounding filter, also. And I mean, when you when you guys just asked about like modular, I don't really have modular stuff what i said but i have like this dominion also has some patch points and also i have also swayman like the s uh s uh s1 mk2 oh you got that that's the that's the three unit 19 inch one right yeah yeah, oh, yeah. Man, that's that's an incredible synth. <laughs> that's just an incredible synth yeah yeah so and i got it like already a few years back i think at the moment it's like Really impossible to get. Yeah, they're, get they're super expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go for more than what they were sold for, and um, yeah. when they came out, yeah. But it's it's a yeah. um, it's absolutely crazy one. Yeah, and so some because the the Swayman, for example, just has like one LFO. So if I need more LFOs or stuff like this, I can take them from the Dominion, for example. Right. So I I use it in that way. Yeah, that sounds like a modular. <laughs> modular so uh, basically, yeah, yeah, it's actually the whole synthesizer is one module. Then in the end, you know. <laughs> yeah, you so so you take CV from other instruments and and uh, yeah. use the com. Yeah, that's a that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw another one for uh, Tony here. Um, maybe it's a story. Anthony already told before, but is there a chance you roughly remember the equipment used for guitar treatments? Uh, Besides well, the guitar, yeah, there was obviously because, because we ah <laughs> uh, we used uh, I can't remember what it was. It was it was an, it was an eight track an eight track like a an eight track hardware recorder of some kind um and basically uh effects like the the eventide uh h3000 and uh, uh a lexicon uh, uh, ecm 91 reverb 
I think that was about it, really. It's all you need, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the the multi tracking was all done kind of live so you know we'd he'd we'd record a track and then he'd just listen back and play over it and so there was no you know like computer uh manipulation like that is that the project you you showed me which you recorded at that uh, farm or the the sort of uh country house ah uh, no uh that's the the transcendence orchestra oh yeah yeah of course yeah 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 sorry uh, i'm so bad at names no, but I, yeah we uh guitar treatments in i think it was 99 i think okay so yeah that's like yeah 21 years ago um but uh yeah i mean the guitarist who i did that with i i uh played in a band with him many years ago and we'd we'd messed around with doing uh recordings where i i process his guitar in this very sort of Frippinino kind of way. Mm. Um, so we decided to make like a full project out of it. And that's what the guitar treatments thing turned out to be. Cool. Yeah. I mean, the Eventides are, um, are so versatile on, on, um, um, uh, any input really, but also very much on, on, um, acoustic instruments or, um, electric, you know, not necessarily synths, synths or whatever, you know, like, uh, um they have a the tendency to make every everything sound a lot bigger and more expensive and uh longer and also he uh he used this thing called an ebo on the guitar which oh yeah 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 continuously sustains the note it's like a m kind of magnetic pickup that you hold over the strings yeah mm. So, yeah, it was just fun, you know, having a project where the only source was a guitar and how can we how can we get this to, you know, create all these different things. And um, the, the guitarist, he's, he's like very, uh, very sort of knowledgeable about uh, music theory. So he was able to kind of write these pieces in his head and then play each part and then it kind of knitted together in this really crazy melodic way. I, I I would never be able to do. Yeah, so basically another another project with a very um, um, a restricted sort of technical yeah, setup. Yeah. Uh, I saw one here from Frank Semi. Oh, sorry, that's <laughs> the wrong one. I saw him ask a question about the favorite. <laughs> mm -hmm favorite reverbs um i don't know favorite reverbs there's a favorite for reverb for everything i guess or from depends on the context I, um but i guess they're uh, fishing for um uh what units what reverb units um you mentioned mentioned the um the What's it called again? The PCM ninety lexicon. Yeah, do you still do you still use that? The lexicon. Uh, it, it's it's sitting very unloved. Oh, <laughs> in, in, not um, getting any love. Neglected. <laughs> I um, I actually find myself using the uh in Ableton the the Max for Live convol convolution reverb, if that's what it's called. Um, where they 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 I don't know they record uh, an impulse from 
you know, like some cathedral or something, and then they they're able to kind of digitally replicate that reverb. Yeah, uh, impulse response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I, I use that a lot. Okay. I really love the Eventide space. Just the guitar pedal. I think it's yeah, just yeah. so good, so good. You use that a lot. Use that a lot. I use software wise. I think the Valhalla. Vintage Verb and the Supermassive by Valhalla. Supermassive is amazing. It's a really simple interface, but you can get these really protracted drums from it. You know, sustain the note and yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, they recently put a, a free free yeah. light version on online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they put really a free cool. delay out as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. You know. I mean, if it, it's a free reverb and it sounds amazing, uh, mm. I think. What what does the the non-free version do more than the the free one? Because I'm not sure actually. Is that what? That's the delay, delay isn't it? This is the super massive the delay. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. I think the, the free one's the delay. If I'm right, I think, and then the Val had a super massive. It's quite cheap. It's like fifty dollars, fifty pounds, like fifty dollars, forty pound, whatever. Yeah. Um, and that one's great. And Vintage Verb is really amazing. It's my favorite. Yeah, there's the the Valhalla stuff, and I think is the same, well, not the same, but it has a similar, very very recognizable, very um, I don't know what they do to it. There's something going on there which makes it sound very wide and alive, you know, very much yeah. like uh, like Eventide um, uh, reverbs. You know, they also always have this sort of really organic feel to them you know really um uh yeah warm and spacious yeah. um it's really really cool the i use the 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 space as well but also the the <laughs> dsp 4000 and the h8000 and they're incredible they're still they're, those are my favorite reverbs but um, um valhalla is it only for ableton or there's no, just it's just yeah, yeah. So if you have any, um, I'm just checking the comments, guys. What about you, um, Mike and Uli, reverbs? You got something to say about that? Uh, yeah, Eventide. <laughs> Eventide. Yeah. yeah, me too. Uh, I have actually H9000 here in the studio, so I don't know. It's the big one from Eventide. Mm. It's the rack version, which has like all the algorithms inside. Basically, it's the space reverb, also the pe the, the the algorithm from the from the pedals. I also have the pedals and also Strymon. So, yeah, Strymon pedals. Mm, yeah. yeah, I use the, the cheap lexicon. How is it called? MX four hundred. Yeah. yeah, a lot at home, and also I like the black hole plugin from Eventide and some Universal Audio lexicon stuff. I thought this was interesting. Um, AK, I think this is hello AK. Which of you had any? Uh, active mentors for producing and which areas did they help you to improve the most like mixing arrangement i'm a diy learned everything myself guy but what are you what about you have you um got any 
musical background or people who got you started or anything? Um, yeah, pretty much DIY. I mean, I studied music production at university, but apart from that, oh, yeah? I just kind of, yeah. Um, like an SAE type um, um, study or? Um, it was um, it was a degree, at, um, a BA at Brighton University. It was, just, it was called Creative Music Production. Okay. Um, and it kind of covers all areas, like working in the studio, music concrete, um, production techniques, music theory. Um, but, you know, I've been making music for like six years before I went to uni, so I kind of learned a lot of it just by myself as well. Well, did it help you in any way? Or did you um, more, yeah, more ba- did. basic basic things that, that, you know, you learned about it? Or I think music concrete was actually probably... That was probably the most integral part for me because that introduced me to a whole world of music, a whole world of sound, and kind of just made me realize that music is just noise organized. <laughs> As you know, a lot of early pioneers were like the way Pierre Schaeffer, for example, would use samples of a train and use tapes to manipulate it and stuff like that. And it just kind of made me. Because obviously when you open up Logic or Ableton, you just have all these things at your disposal. You have delays and reverbs and whatever. And, you know, yeah. music concrete pioneers, they you really kind of strips everything back and makes you realize how innovative these people were with really minimal means. Well, and, mm. and often, very often also tools that weren't even designed to make music. Exactly. With. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I had a... Um... There, there was a book um, in my in my library at school that was really influential for me. It was called uh, "Making Music with Tape Recorders," and it was uh, music concrete for beginners. And I, I read the book, and I was really fascinated by it. And that's that was kind of how I started making music with tape recorders. But I never never actually heard any of that music, so it was really weird. I was just doing it from reading a book, oh, but yeah. I didn't actually know what any of it sounded like, and. Mm-hmm. That that was really fun to just sort of use your imagination to make music rather yeah. than it all set out for you, like the structure or how it would sound. That's a good point, you know, because uh, we, we're, uh, you know, talking about tools all night. But, you know, the main thing you, you just mentioned uh, the magic yeah. word imagination, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Oh, you yeah, use. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the strongest. So forget strongest every, so forget everything we said, people yeah. use your yeah. imagination. <laughs> That's the point. We can yeah. close um, this now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, really key influence for me was actually William Burroughs. I, I watched, um, I watched, uh, a, a, a film, uh, called the cut-ups and it's this technique uh, made by uh, developed by Brian Geisen who I think he worked with and it's just yeah it's it's just like literally chopping up film and reassembling it um, I think maybe chopping up text and just randomizing it taping it together and that kind of idea uh, when I was really young that just totally blew my mind and was so inspiring and it was it just made me think about kind of rearranging culture and or, or sort of anything. And you can do that with mm. like video, uh, with film, with sound, you know, and it kind of like what Manny was saying about music concrete, you know, it just opens your head up to a totally different way of imagining things and seeing the world. And I think that that 
that kind of stuff is is the most powerful kind of much more than any you know yeah true uh, i i i i think you know it, it's the the philosophy kind of behind it is um is very powerful and driving for me and and everything just sort of follows on from that yeah yeah i actually spend a lot of time just thinking about what i want to make next and thinking about how i can push my sound forward and thinking about you know new techniques i kind of have sometimes take i mean it feels like longer than a week but sometimes have a week break from making music and just take the time to think about what i want to do next and sometimes i formulate an idea in my head that's so specific that when i go back to the studio i can actually just get it out completely you know i can arrange it all in my head and have it sound exactly how it sounds in my head in logic when i make the track but yeah i think it's important to actually do that to think about the philosophy and think about what you want to do and how you want to push things yeah yeah coming back on the on the imagination thing and um hearing you talk about tony about um doing some something you just read about and never actually heard so it, i i can remember a lot of instances where i was at some place or somebody was driving by with a car with a certain thing playing out of it or you know, a track that I or a piece of music I heard in my childhood, which kind of made an impression in my in my head. Um, and you know, sometimes I recycle these things come 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 up. You know, once in a while, and um, it's like chasing a ghost. Sometimes, you know, it's like uh, you've heard something and you you you're you know it sort of are really grabbed by it. You know, really struck by it, mm. and then that can become this thing you are going to chase after without even actually remembering whether it was actually any close to what you heard or, but it sets off this spark, you know, this, this thing. Um, so, you know, hearing what, what comes out of it would never be, you know, in any way or form be connected with what, what that thing uh, was that got it started. But, um, um, you know, I, I can remember hearing tracks, you know, on the radio and, and having this sort of um, uh, nostalgic feel uh, with with that moment, which which sometimes helps me to um, find an aesthetic or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, that, that, that ties into something me and Colleen have joked about. It's like mm. this idea of making a bad copy of something. It's like you say, you, you hear a song on the radio or you have this imagination feeling and you sort of translate it in this really abstract sort of way so it's not like a direct representation of that but you're you're kind of channeling it somehow and almost like in quotes making a bad copy of it yeah mm. and and it's, it's funny how these things work these things work because you i know what you're saying that's that's some the, i mean there's so many things that get you started but it's a, it's more like a technique, you know, to say, okay, let's make a bad copy of this and this that we heard in this uh, diner or whatever, on the road or in the train or whatever. Um, because you can also always, um, when you when you get stuck or when you have to make a decision along the process, go back to the thing that you recognize as being the starting point. So you can base your decisions on on something uh, because you've decided to make. Uh, a bad copy of this track, you know what I mean? So it's a it's a it's a really funny way to to kind of frame what you are doing or to uh, to put like a um, yeah re a restriction or a frame around uh, around um, your your approach because you always have this thing to come back to. 
Yeah. Good times. No, I mean, your money was talking about, you know, um, taking breaks from music or, you know, thinking about how your approach is going to be. And, you know, there, there are so many things you can um, try to explore also in this field without, without ever touching an instrument or being in a studio. You, know, you can... You can um, yeah, I, you know. I agree. It's really important to talk about this stuff because there's, there's so much focus on, you know, I feel like a lot of, you know, it makes sense. But a lot of equipment manufacturers are trying to sell something to people. They're trying to market it and say, you know, the phrases like quick and easy always appear and it's always sold as something. Oh, this is going to get you making tracks really quick. Mm. And I don't know. Um, I, there isn't a quick and easy solution. You know, I think all of us, we're always searching. We're always trying, you know, we're always buying gear and trying things out. And, you know, it's a never ending journey. So, so the idea of a quick and easy solution is, is, uh, is an illusion. And I, think it's not really something to chase really it's like you know if someone's interested in eurorack they think you know if they think that's the solution to their their creative problems then it, it's not there's not, <laughs> nothing is <laughs> often it creates another often it creates a, a new problem yeah <laughs> rather than solve anything no but it's true you know it's um it's very true that the like you said the whole uh, actually being behind a desk or being behind your computer or, or your your synths or whatever um that's not the only thing that it that it's um in, involving it's it's also the whole um you know the picking up things in your brain thinking about things um you know making 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 systems in your head you know or yeah. approaches or uh, thinking about um yeah sort of um it can it can be something completely abstract like you know thinking about textures or deciding about aesthetics but it can also be um uh something that you really want to explore that might not be new to the world but might be new to yourself you know like uh, something you've never really tried to do um yeah so it, there's there's many things outside of the actual act of um, sitting in a studio that that is involved in in um, like you called it uh, a journey yeah it's very true what about uh, you mike and um Uli? <laughs> do you have um, do you have the we're still here do you have the the, the ultimate solution for um, <laughs> what's the answer yeah, like we, we need answers yeah i mean <laughs> No, I mean, uh, just um, the question is, or not the question, but the topic now really is, um, um, you know, the thinking behind um, a new project, for example, or the, you know, uh, making music, the, the the journey of making music. Um, I, I mean, Tony and, and, and Matt, Manny and I would all agree that there's a lot of things going on outside of the actual act of um, being in the studio. So I... I um, anything you've yeah, got to say about that? I mean, I do you, music must, you like, must dream about music, right? Yeah, I, um, I do music like once a week or something, and then it's a really long session, like 12 hours or 13 hours. I think Mike is uh, producing every day, so we have different approaches or different um, uh, structures to work, for, work with. But sometimes I just have one idea, maybe, maybe using 
uh, effect through a filter that I never used before. And then, so this can be a start for something. But yeah, I don't know. I start with something simple, of course. So, and so often, you, do, and, you, you do make up a starting point system yeah. in advance. Yeah, yeah, okay. Can be some noise or some melody. And um, also the same, what, what Money said is interesting. Think about the next step for a long time or just wait till you have the idea for the next, for, for what you want to do next. So I do the same. So I take my time. If I don't have something to say, I, I would not go to studios. Somehow. It's always special, special days, special happenings. Yeah, it's an interesting approach. I think it's um, quite similar because I can spend hours just noodling around the gear and just feel like yeah (laughs) i just feel like you know i know it feels like hours of on of you know just lack of productivity because at the end of the day i feel like shit because i'm like oh i haven't made anything useful today whereas you know maybe it would have been better just to kind of take the day to think about what i want yeah i don't like i don't like this feeling i yeah exactly something yeah, yeah, it's the worst. I don't know. Thing. I don't know. I think. I, I think. think I, 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 but yeah. sometimes you have something Sorry, that maybe next next day you change, and then 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 it's good. Yeah, it, it always makes sense to me. Yeah, but maybe you discovered something. Maybe you yeah. decided that you, yeah. you made a decision along the way, or you tried something and it, you you hit a dead end, which is fine too. You know, some sometimes you just hit a dead end. That's just part yeah. Of it. I think that's something you have to learn to accept yeah. as an artist, even you know, not just musicians. I think as an artist, you have to learn to accept failure because you're going to have to confront it. Like, at I least like dead once I a love week. Dead ends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, when you're really down about music, that's when the break, next breakthrough is going to come. When you're really feeling shit about it, that's, to me, that's a good thing because it's like, okay, the other side of this is actually something new, something fresh, something you're about to break through. I've had that experience. Yeah, I think Giorgio, Mo- Giorgio Moroda said this. Uh, it's like waiting in front of a dragon's cave that the dragon will come out and you never know when it's coming out. So you have to go okay. to the studio every hour because the dragon can come out every every second. And he means the, the, the perfect song, the perfect idea. So it can come. If there is such a thing as perfect. But yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just it just doesn't happen and sometimes it does and you can never really predict it. You can come up with um, methods that make it easier for things to happen. Yeah. But um, but even then, you know, you never know whether it's it's going to happen or not. But um, yeah. But Mike, you wanted to say something, or um, uh, I already yeah. forget my yeah, thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We had, a, we had a long long day here. <laughs> no, but um, I, I would also wanted to say. I mean, I think it's also important to, like, as Uli said. I mean, I'm I'm almost every day in the studio normally at the moment. I'm, I mean, I was at home most of the time. I'm just slowly coming back to the studio. But, I mean, I don't need to, like, have um, to record, like, everything or record, like, every day when I'm here, you know. Like, um, sometimes, you know, it's also nice to have something going on but you like you said like a dead end you know the, i think it's not important to like capture everything you do so, mm. so yeah it's more like kind of fle- uh, practicing and keeping the muscles in shape yeah i think i think um uh the idea of uh play is is quite important and mm. i i read something about i read uh i think pierre 
Henry Henry yeah. said uh, talked a lot about the uh, the usefulness of the idea of play in music, and um, I think that's something that's come back to me with you know just playing around with like hardware and bits of gear. It's just um, just the value of just playing with stuff and not not being under pressure to create something all the time just just to you know mess about yeah. stuff and definitely and that, yeah absolutely yeah fun and um uh i was gonna say something else about that but i've forgotten <laughs> but, but playing, yeah, playing is, is useful and, and really important oh yeah that was it it was um i talked with dan um who i do the transcendence orchestra with and we we talked about this idea about how trying to take uh right judgment or um evaluation part away when you're creating the music just trying to create the music and just be purely enjoying the creation of it and not even thinking about is this good or bad mm. and recording it and just enjoying it and just being in the creative process and then you can listen back to the recording and then you can judge it and evaluate it and do something with it but trying not to do all these things at the same time performing mm. creating judging and evaluating because uh i don't know if i explained it very well but i i don't know that really made sense to me and i find that a useful way of well yeah so you, you you're basically moving judgment to after the act um yeah, yeah. well um i i totally get what you're saying because you just basically go with the moment and and don't don't mm. um get yourself um, um you, you know don't sense yeah, and don't get yourself restricted by by any associations that you have. What's what's happening? Because um, yeah, associations can can um, creep in and and become sort of bothersome or you know whatever. Um, but I I I, w I would say that even the 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 way of of making music you describe now, like being totally in the moment and um, uh, not think about. Um, what it needs to be or what it can be uh, until afterwards is still requires or still involves judgment because you are judgment you have a judgment of um, what you like to hear or not you know so it's there is you know you're it's it's an unconscious judgment judgment but yeah. it still is judgment you know what I mean but not like a judgment in the sense of of um, um, you know, you you're noodling around and it's becoming like really sort of ambient, and and you say to yourself, I uh, I didn't want to do an ambient track, so I'm quitting this. And you basically say to yourself, okay, let's let us happen, let's see where we end up. You know, no no um, final judgment, but still you're judging it on the go because that's where the thing that you are creating wants to go. You know, this is where you, where it um, is ending up. You know, with basically. Yeah. So I feel judgment is always a part of the of the thing. Yeah, that's what I, I'm saying. Yeah. Just, uh, I don't know. It made it made sense to me when we when we talked about it. But it's it was <laughs> I don't know because I noticed myself doing that where I had too many layers of thinking going on while I was trying to record the music and and just to like not not get so caught up in in all that thinking. Mm. I just think, okay, I can worry about that afterwards. I'm recording it. I don't know. I've, I found that quite, that, that, that was quite useful for me. Yeah, I find that really useful. I mean, I've had times where I'm thinking, especially if you're writing something for a particular label, 
when you're thinking about what works for that label. It's just like you say, there are so many layers of thinking. It's like, you know, oh, sometimes I find the thought creeping into my head, like which DJ is going to play this? And I'm just like, that, I have to push that out because that completely ruins the whole Absolutely. creative process. Things like that. So, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, playing is, is it's important to try and get back to that sense of purity. Like, you know, we all started making music because we were curious and we just wanted to have fun. Yeah. And, you know, we're lucky enough to make it into a career, so it's important to try and, you know, find that innocence again. Yeah. But sometimes you have to go back to this moment that you're able to control what you're doing. So if you get lost inside a session, then you can remember or just reflect yourself. So this mm. can also help. It's a gift and a curse, I would say, mm. to be able to control what you do or reflect. Yeah, I feel myself more, more and more in the you know the last few years at least, um, just record everything um, and um, just let it let it happen and not not even think about what it could be. And of course, you know, judgment is is always there afterwards. And um, I, I like to stumble upon things more, you know, these days to you know just mm. to see see where it goes. Um, accept what it becomes and then um um and then there's always there's a if, if there is some if if there is something happening that actually takes my imagination or that that sort of gets me excited um i'll i'll go with that and then maybe even exaggerate um where it where it can go you know just uh to make it sort of a very pronounced idea rather than just a noodle or whatever um someone is someone is writing uh Write drunk and edit sober. I think that's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good concept. Maybe. <laughs> Create drunk and edit sober. Yeah. I, Fraser. <laughs> I, I mean, I have to say, honestly, when I'm making music, I'm, I'm not really thinking much about what I'm mm. doing. It's basically, I mean, it depends always like on the, on the mood of the day course like some sometimes you feel like making ambient of course sometimes you want to make like banging techno stuff but i never really like like think think so much about you know how or what yeah, i'm you, doing yeah, you know you, it, it just you're... comes out of my head you know it's like mm. today is like this tomorrow it's like this no it's not like i try not to think too much about what i'm what i'm doing it's just yeah you're a flow with go with the flow guy yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's the way it should be. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. I mean, I also don't want to like um, um, limit myself with mm. with too much overthinking. You know, like ah, I have to be like in, in this box or something like this. You know, I mean, Tony also does like a lot of like different type of music. So How's that for you? Like, I mean, do you always work like with strong concepts? Like when you do this? Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it, it varies. So a lot of the time, the pro different projects, a lot of the time, it, it depends. It comes from working with different people, I guess, yeah. a lot of the time. And it's just trying to, just to, I like I like to just let out whatever that collaboration is and not not try to put things in boxes too much really. Um and yeah and it's just really having fun with it and not uh 
not being too too worried about i don't know what genre it is or something like that um i don't know i i always feel like i can push stuff further but maybe that i'm just insane or or something i don't know <laughs> uh, i don't know i i i don't like to i don't like to underestimate an audience and it's always good to just to push people find find out where the you know where the edge is yeah. and dangle them over it a little bit <laughs> yeah so yeah, it's a good it, it's a good good balance of of rational thoughts and emotional thinking so like yeah 50-50 balance it's a good way to work but having yeah. doing the different projects with different people it's it's really it's a great outlet because you know maybe then i i'm i'm happy to focus on more like pure techno and if i've got another outlet for i don't know just really abstract drony stuff um but then they often kind of end up feeding into each other so techniques mm -hmm. i i learn from one project end up coming back in and sounds and, and all of those kind of things so they i don't know things that i think are separate and always end up kind of joining up as well Yeah, probably not well, sense anymore. No, I, and I, I totally, I always find that uh, making the uh, the distinction is often made by other people rather than yourself. Because to me, it's it's very, um, it it all bleeds into each other. You know, whether it's abstract or very structured or very noisy or very calm. Um, you know, it's uh, first of all, it's all coming from the same mind you know or minds and 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 it always bears the signature of the maker um and it's often you find this even though people would categorize one uh, part of your work as um such and such genre and the other thing as something else um it often bears the still bears the signature you know of of yeah. um, you know what i mean um yeah. so so i you know I mean, as we are making music of almost full time, or you know, a, a lot of the, our, spend a lot of our times making music. Um, for us, um, I guess it's it's um, it's all part of the same thing, rather than okay, I'm gonna make uh, a, a track in this and this genre now, and or in that genre now. It sort of all happens at the same time, and it all bleeds into each other. Um, I think yeah, like I, there, I, there was one little thing that kind of connected to this. Um, I mean, if you listen to um, Mike's stuff or uh, Uli's stuff, um, you've you've also spanned the whole range of of um, genres basically. In, in the, uh, there was one special directed to Uli. Uh, I, I was reading far. this. I was reading. This. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Can you maybe bring it back? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for it, but I think it was about um, the question was about how you uh, come up with um, uh, the different concepts. albums. Yeah, yeah. Um, how, how, there, there, your albums sound have different kind of genre types, but how do you mm -hmm. do you conceptualize your <laughs> albums, or do or do you do you even do that? Yeah, I always try to do what what's missing, and I don't try to to repeat myself. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I would not do the same album twice. And, <laughs> sometimes yeah so I would yeah so the next step would be a really 160 BPM hardcore distortion album no. oh yeah bring it on man 
No, I'm, I'm looking for diversity. <laughs> just, you know, never do the same thing twice. And for example, if I was traveling like two or three years and play techno sets, maybe I just want to have a really warm, slow album just for me. And then yeah, I'm happy that people are understanding that I do different records and they don't expect always the same record from me. So mm. This is really cool. Mm. Yeah, you got to self. You got to permit yourself doing all these things. You know. Yeah. All right, guys. So let's see if there's any last things. We're almost hitting the oh. two-hour mark. Um, um, any anybody has a specific thing in the it's comments like section? Yeah. Ask your question now. <laughs> yeah. Purring <laughs> loudly into the microphone. <laughs> So um, um, yeah. So again, Mike and um, and Uli, are you? Um, do you have any specific plan for um, um, your recording days, or are you just going to see where it ends up? And so, I think we make a, a new album. Yeah. <laughs> oh, an entire album. Yeah, yeah, we have this new project. We don't say it yet, or. Um, I mean, I, I that's the <laughs> album I sent you. I don't know if you saw that yeah. mail. It's um, a new project called um, Out of Place Artifacts. And it's basically everything but techno, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> it's really free and like different kind of rhythms, like fast, really slow, ambient. And, and yeah. A friend Actually, of mine called it like neuro music. Okay, final question so, to Tony then. Oh, sorry, no, this is <laughs> this one. This one. <laughs> this is this is a good question. Hey, Dave. <laughs> uh, we all want to know the answer to this. I, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I is it, it's the cat, of course. It's, the it's cat and <laughs> jeans and cats. Uh. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> one trick, one good trick is to um, grow a beard. People get used to it and then you cut it off and you look. Yeah. I do that again. That's the only obvious trick I can, I can say. Okay. Well, I think that's a, a great piece of advice to, uh, to end this <laughs> um so yeah i i want to um um give another last shout out to all the people who watched and um the stream punks so thanks for being with us um we actually have a, a discord server set up and the link should be in the uh underneath the video on youtube um we uh, i'm gonna hang out there for for a little while more if there's any any questions that we forgot to uh, to ask maybe um one of the other guests are um, some of the other guests will be joining as well but um is this the after party least, yeah this is the discord <laughs> after party feed the cat so you know yeah okay okay i'll be there anyway so if, uh, if somebody wants time. to join if somebody wants to join um i'll see you there and um yeah thanks to all the guests for uh, for hanging out it was really good to speak yeah. to all guys thank you yeah, thank you thank too and, uh, thank good you. luck good luck in the studio um the coming time 
Yes, yeah. thank you. you too. All right then. Cool. Okay. Well, it was thanks. nice to meet. Nice. Yeah. To meet you. you too, guys. Nice to you guys. Thanks a lot. Speak to you thank later. You. Ciao, yeah. ciao. Bye. 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 -bye.